0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lettermanro.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. We are talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting because this is the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Auto. Uh, Spencer and I were off last week as I was dealing with some uh, personal stuff. We're back. We're trying to get caught up uh, in the big picture of Ohio State recruiting. Um, because right now, Spencer, we are less than 30 days away from signing day. Uh, the first early signing period. The Buckeyes have 20 commitments in the class of 2021, and they're hoping that all of them sign uh, next month. And I, right now, I think that that's the the course uh, most of these kids are taking, but you know, things do change as, as uh, seasons unfold. But the real news that happened in the last handful of days that will probably impact signing day is that the recruiting dead period, which at, at this point is officially through January 1st, the, the rumblings out there are pretty strong that it's going to be extended all the way through April 15th, um, which would mean an entire calendar year will have passed before recruits can go back to campus for unofficial visits or official visits where they meet with staff. Um, and that's insane, right? Am I, am I, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It's, it's, it's actually pretty
1: crazy to think that, that we could go a year without these guys talking to coaches in a face to face interaction um, when there are multiple safe ways to do it. It seems like the NCAA has taken a pretty lazy approach, um, the lazy way out. And uh, maybe I sound a little sad with that because I am a little sad. Like that, that, that sucks. It sucks for us because it gives us not as much to talk about, first of all. So and that's not the most important part because it sucks for the coaches not being able to interact with these guys, find out their personality, find out the guys they're going to be playing, what makes them tick, and then it sucks to, for the for the kids the most part, most of all because they don't they don't get to see really what it's like to be a day in the life in that program, uh, you know whether it's in a locker room after a tough loss or after a big win, uh, you know walking even walking around campus, you know we think of that as such a minute detail in recruiting and, and kids don't pick Ohio State because of how pretty the oval is in October. But it's still part of that process that these kids are, don't have. And they're kind of getting it taken away from them uh, because the NCAA seems to be just, okay, well, we'll extend the dead period again. And that sucks, that sucks for everyone.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the class of 2021 is going to have such an impact on the future of college football over these next three, four years, because you're gonna see really which schools truly understand evaluation, which schools truly understand roster management, because you're dealing with an entire recruiting class of kids who, you know, I, I, I talked to a recruit about this the other day, who's, who's you know, considering Ohio State, and, uh, Keon Graves, we talked about this uh, after our Bermanology episode, for the class of 2021, because he said he feels worse for them than he does the class of 2022, because at least they have the potential to still do this stuff down the road. If a player were to decommit from Ohio State right now, or any other school, how do you replace them? You you simply can't, right? So uh, unless you then go take a flyer on someone you've never seen, go take a flyer on a player that you haven't been able to evaluate, trust that a player who is going to uh, connect with a coaching staff or a school that he's never been to and never really gotten to spend any time with in person, and it is there is a... A trust component in this class of 2021 that is going to carry programs into the next three four years that is going to have a, a major impact on college football and um you know you can't help but feel bad for these kids because they, they simply have been put into an impossible position and I, I i i understand from the ncaa's perspective that there's no reason to risk any outbreak happening at a at ohio state for example Because that's what we talk about here, uh, you know, by letting a family member come in with a recruit and and who knows. Um, But it doesn't lessen the fact that it sucks for these kids and it puts them in bad positions. And, you know, you think about a player like Emeka Abuka, the country's number one ranked wide receiver in the class of 2021, who has been to Ohio State twice. He's he's considering the Buckeyes and Oklahoma and, and Washington. He's been to Washington multiple times. He's never been to Oklahoma. Now he has to decide, hey, do I make a commitment and sign somewhere in December, which is uh, reportedly what he's leaning towards doing. Um, And then that forces him to spend his own money to go to Oklahoma at the end of November, beginning of December, where there's a pandemic outbreak happening and he can't visit anybody except for hang out with Caleb Williams. So uh, how can you make an informed decision? And uh, I don't know, know, I think the, the timing of this like free transfer that's coming for everyone, couldn't be better because I, I can't imagine a class that will utilize that more than the class of 2021. Yeah.
1: And I, I think there's, there's two more notes to be said about this. It, it sucks for everybody. It sucks for all these kids because they're having that recruiting opportunity taken away. But like the people that I'm stuck thinking about right now when it comes to extending, this, extending this dead period are not, and I don't mean to name names Trevion, if you're listening, don't take this person. Like I don't, it's harder to feel bad for a five-star running back than it is the three-star offensive guard that could have came to Columbus from Medina that could have came to Columbus and proved himself and gotten a scholarship yeah. offer and now does, doesn't ever get that chance. Or like the kid who came to the Ohio State camp and saw the MAC coaches there and don't get the chance to have the MAC coaches recruit them. Like the four- and five-star guys, they all have a general sense of who wants them. Th- those three-star guys that are on the fence between Mac and and – and, uh, you know, AAC and then uh, Power yeah. 5. Those are the guys that are really, really missing out on this. And that's what's going to have the impact. And then the other thing is that, that that I've been thinking about a lot with this extended day period is it's a lot easier for a coach to tell to do a lot of lip service on the phone and over a Zoom call than it is in person. And it's a lot easier to not have to have that kid sit in your office. And so I think the one time transfer and all the stuff that's coming down the pike for the NCAA. It's a lot easier to tell a kid a bunch of lip service on the phone, and you're going to find out a lot about who these coaches actually are when the class of 2021 gets on campus. Because some of these coaches are going to have players from this class fill up the transfer portal, and some of these coaches are going to be able to weather the storm and have all their guys stick around.
0: Yeah, consider the case of a player like Thayer Munford, who we spoke to on on Tuesday on the, the media call with Ohio State. If if he hadn't been able to visit Ohio State and camp in the summer when he did, if he hadn't been able to get a re- truly evaluated throughout his senior season like he was at Massillon Washington High School, he would have never got the opportunity to be offered by Ohio State in January of 2017 when he ended up signing and becoming a member of that class. and. Um, it, it certainly puts a lot of these kids in a precarious position. I think of another Maslin offensive lineman, Terrence Rankle, or, or Thomas uh, Remack, who who's committed to West Virginia. Like these kids are going to miss an opportunity, probably that that could have been life changing for them. Not that they aren't set with Pittsburgh and West Virginia and these other schools that they're they're committed to and, and likely to sign with, but it is a little different. And it, when we're talking about players like Emeka Abuka, who will, will dive a little bit more into what that really means for him. Um, it, it is significantly different than a player like Terrence Rankle or Thomas Remake, uh, and, and, and that, that's unfortunate.
1: And again, I, I want to clarify, you know, I, I don't know if it needs to be said again, but I, I still feel bad for the four and five star guys, not being sure. able to have this opportunity to uh, visit five schools, five basic dream schools uh, on an official capacity, have people pay for that for you to come in and, and see what it's like to go to be at one SEC school, an ACC school, a Big Ten school. You know, the guys who consider Florida, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and USC that's five. You know, you get a feel for the, what the entire country views college football like when you go on official visits like that. And like to, to not have that at all is is tough. But, but also, like, they haven't made compared to those three star guys who are just trying to prove themselves on the high school field and can't even go to a
0: camp. So, sure, but even for, even for someone like Ben Chrisman or, or Jack Sawyer, who was never going to, you know, Jack Sawyer specifically who gave up his senior season because he didn't think they were going to play football. Then he has his all American games taken away. Then he can't make official visit to Ohio State. Oh, exactly. exactly. You know, I mean, it, it, it's such an unfortunate reality. And, and these kids are put into terrible positions. Uh, Emeka Buka is now having to decide whether or not he should sign in December. And in doing so, maybe then enroll early again which you know because he has to think about the fact that the spring season that was expected in washington is likely to not happen at this point so why put off getting to a college campus early he's not going to be able to visit the schools he wanted to see um, in the the capacity that he needed to see them and maybe that turns out in ohio state's favor but it still doesn't feel great for the player um, who didn't get an opportunity to really experience what all of his hard work should have provided him the opportunity to experience. So with Abuka, I mean, we'll just dive there. I mean, nothing's changed. And I know that's sort of the big question that people have is, you know, what does this mean for Ohio State? And the Buckeyes have, have felt for a while that if the ex- dead period got extended further, it, it wasn't a negative for them because he, they knew he wasn't likely to get back to Columbus uh, before a decision was made. And it just continues to make it harder for him to get elsewhere. Now uh, Abuka continues to say he's going to visit Oklahoma before he makes a decision, and you know the clock is ticking on that. So I guess from a from a perspective of an Ohio State uh, fan, if you're if you're listening to this from that perspective, the the clock ticking is a good thing for Ohio State here. Um, it does not impact things with JT allow, and we'll just you know switch over the other guy in the Pacific Northwest and. Because he was not going to decide till February anyway, and I'm going to tell you, I don't. I've never spoken to JT because he does not talk to the media outside of Brandon Huffman, which is great for Brandon Huffman, Um, being being out there. Like that's a pretty great uh, relationship he's got. But there's just a feeling I have that we could see that recruitment go into April or May, and I, I just, it's just my gut feeling that that kid is not in a hurry to make a decision. He's the number one player in the country. He's going to make an impact at Ohio state or Alabama or USC or Oregon or Washington next year. As soon as he steps foot on campus, he knows that it doesn't matter if he gets there in June, that same thing is going to happen. He's too good, too athletic, too big, too strong to not do that. Um, So I really think you could see him take on this role and, and almost change recruiting by himself because he He's going to have every school waiting for him. There is no one that's going to force his hand and say, oh, JT, you better make a decision right now. And I think it's actually kind of cool to watch as, as we see in this era of player empowerment, we may see one of the truly first like recruits decide I am not going to be trapped by this bubble of sign, sign letter of intent right here. And hell, if I was a, a recruit right now, I would never sign a letter of intent anyway, but, whatever that has nothing to do with anyone else but what do you think spencer do you think that a kid should like take the power he has and ride this out till may i mean why you know he doesn't need to announce he's going anywhere till next you know june 1st really guy does what he wants
1: man he, he does what he wants he doesn't talk to the media he doesn't want to talk to you no offense to you berm he, he yeah, you know, doesn't want to doesn't, talk to anybody i'm not taking it personally talk- doesn't talk to the media. He doesn't want to talk to. You. He wants to fly. You know, his, go by the beat of his own drum. He wants to wants to make a decision when he wants to make a decision, and and you have to respect that for him. Uh, he is changing the way that recruiting because here you got Washington, you've got Oregon, you've got Ohio State, you've got these other schools just kind of sitting there waiting, and just hoping yeah. that that he picks picks your school because if Ohio State loses Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiay, maybe that's a good thing for them in the recruitment of J T Toomelah because he's going to wait so long. <laughs> That he'll know what the roster looks like for him to show up, whereas these other guys are signing in December and don't really know what the roster might look like for them to see early playing time. It's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, argument to be made for what he's doing, but there's also the downside of it, where you know you're not going through those materials with with the guys at Ohio yeah. State. If you pick Ohio State, you're not you're not getting those relationships. That you might need with, with Coach Jay and, and with the other coaching with the coaching staff to, to make an impact as a freshman. But like you said, when a guy's this talented, he's making an impact as a freshman, regardless.
0: Yeah. And he has all the time he wants to gather data points. And that's and it rather than allowing the process to force him one way or the other, he's just saying, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna do this on my timeline. And that's why I'm saying I don't think I'm gonna be surprised. The last truly high-profile recruitment that went well past signing day was Terrell Pryor in 2008. Um, you know, we had the Zach Evans thing this past year a little bit, but that's because he couldn't figure out which school would accept him, uh, I mean, from what I understand. So the, the truth of the matter is that JT Tuomlau is in a position where he can truly, like, truly change the way recruiting is done for these, these top 10 players in the country.
1: And the other thing uh, that, that might need to be said here, and, and I don't mean to, to bring up this because it'll spark comments like crazy, but the, the, the government, the pharmaceutical companies are talking about a vaccine right now. If there's a vaccine and it's available to anybody that can get their hands on it in March, April, JT2ML may be able to take a visit before he signs. So, yeah. like, if, if he's waiting,
0: he might make everybody else look like fools. And, well, know, he, I mean, he's, uh, well, he's waiting that, that, and waiting. and. That's where things get interesting because the NCAA certainly is not the most proactive organization in sports. Um, you know, and if the vaccine becomes available and it's widespread um, by January, do they change course? Do they say, hey, you know what, let's. Peel back this dead period and let keep people get into campus. Or is it this re-acclimatization, reacclimatization period that's going to happen on campuses all over the country? Because if we're calling a spade to spade, at this point, it seems like a lot of the major universities around the country probably won't go back to on-campus learning until next spring. So it, it, there's just so many things up in the air, and I think that's what makes it very cool for players like Tuomala to just say, hey, I'm going to do this on my timeline, and that's it. and uh, You know, it doesn't hurt Ohio State that he has not visited the school yet. I know that there's this concept because he's been to Alabama, he's been to Washington, he's been to Oregon, he's been to USC. The relationship with Ohio State, with Larry Johnson is what matters. The opportunity to get developed for the NFL is what matters. Um, And that is not changing as long as Larry Johnson is there. And there's no reason to think Larry Johnson won't be there. Um, On the flip side of that, around the country, there are conversations happening about coaches who won't be around. Uh, We saw transition.
1: That's a good transition, Verm.
0: Thank you. Uh, That is my friend, what we call in the business, a successful segue. Um, (laughs) The uh, South Carolina Gamecocks fired Will Muschamp last week. Ohio State and South Carolina certainly don't butt heads a lot on the recruiting trail, but there is one at least interesting prospect in the class of 2022 that I think could see some uh, rub there. Um, There's a lot of bad things happening at LSU. Uh, and, and I don't expect Ed Orgeron to get fired, but the reality is when the university is being accused of the things it's been accused of, and we don't need to dive into all that. I, I submit to anyone listening to this or watching this episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman, Ron Byers Auto, that you should uh, check it out. It's worth a Google, uh, you know, see what you feel about that. The hot button political issues that Ed Orgeron has already stepped into in the last few months. Um and now combined with this new story certainly puts some pressure uh in Baton Rouge.
1: Don't forget about the hundred and sixty thousand dollars to the former offensive lineman's dad who was stole that was uh sure they're already siphoned from a hospital, like the the infractions, a investigation that's probably gonna go to the feds for Title nine, Um and sexual misconduct, like
0: the LSU situation is an ongoing situation that is worth monitoring in all aspects. Yeah, there, there is some there is some un, some shaky ground down there. And so you wonder if Ohio State, still looking for an offensive tackle, would maybe look uh, to Garrett Dellinger from Clarkston, Michigan, who they were in the final uh, two or three to, to land him when he committed to LSU. From what I was told, uh, there has been conversation with Dellinger in the last month, but he was very – open with Ohio State and said, hey, I'm solidly committed to LSU. Don't know if this most recent stuff will impact that, but worth paying attention to. Um, Then there's Michigan. And again, after another embarrassing loss, um, there is more conversation from from respected Michigan folks about the possibility of Jim Harbaugh uh, walking away from Ann Arbor after this season. And. Um, not to say he'll be fired, but that there could be a, uh, an amicable split between the, the two sides with with a lot of smoke around Harbaugh going back to the NFL. I don't want to be accused of trying to propagate rumors or anything. So, I mean, it you, it is what it is. It's out there. It's not like we're making it up. Um, but, you know, Michigan still had a huge recruiting weekend. And now as the crystal balls start to... Uh, change based on their their own version of the the Buckeyes Bash that whatever they called this one with J.J. McCarthy leading the way there, and Demani Jackson, and Will Johnson coming into town. They're getting some momentum there. How how does that change if 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 Jim Harbaugh does leave in in a month? Who knows? Um, you know, and Spencer, I take a lot of heat uh, on the internet from folks because I, I don't always sell sunshine and rainbows about recruiting and. Uh, When there was all the talk in early November or in mid-October and early November about the big five-star booms, the 22 rush that Ohio State recruits were talking about, I said, hey, take a a breath, take a step back. There's a lot of things that are going to go on here that are not guarantees, and Damani Jackson was certainly one of those. You saw the early momentum of crystal balls. Uh, to him to Ohio State and now it's flipping to Michigan the school he grew up rooting for the school his dad grew up rooting for Will Johnson who is those two insist they're going to play together at the next level his father played at Michigan grew up in Michigan loves Michigan like people need to grasp and I wrote about this on Monday recruiting momentum is not the same for fans as it is for players and and if your Damani Jackson and Will Johnson, for example, and your two five-star cornerbacks, if you're watching the University of Michigan, the school you grew up loving, the school that you grew up wanting to don their uniform, if you're watching their defensive backs right now, you see an opportunity, not a problem. Am I, yes. am I, am I wrong
1: for thinking that? No, it, it's, it's real. But you also see it, a coaching situation that is not going north not going east it's not going west <laughs> it's a coaching situation that's not very good um and uh I, I just i think there's a balancing act that these kids probably have in their minds right now and if you see early playing time and see the solution to the problem being you that's more power to you you know that that's a that's a probably a good proposition for yourself to go in you could be able to start as a freshman but also uh it doesn't look good
0: it doesn't look yeah good i mean there's all. certainly some uncertainty. Certainly, certainty, some uncertainty that is certainly happening in Ann Arbor. Even if Jim Harbaugh sticks around for another year, the odds are very, very low that Don Brown will be back. So, you you know the defense will change. But on the flip side, if you're watching Ohio State, don't you see the same opportunity at a school that's not getting their doors blown off every weekend? Like, I mean – the Buckeyes don't have veteran, you know, or or young, talented defensive backs playing a whole lot right now at cornerbacks. Sean Wade's gone. Seven backs will be gone by the time uh, these guys get on campus. Cameron Brown will be gone by the time these guys get on campus. And then you have a bunch of unproven players. What, what What's the difference, really, other than the fact that they grew up loving Michigan? How much does that weigh in a kid's decision is the big question, right?
1: Well, and I think one of the things that we have to remember here is when a kid grows up a Michigan fan, You know, we make the joke and nationally the joke is they're nothing but a a fight song and winged helmets and a big stadium right now. Well, to the kids who grew up being a fan of Michigan, they're a fight song and winged helmets and a huge stadium. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And if they can be the solution to that, that's a good thing for them.
0: Right. If you can be the answer, if you can bring back the program that you grew up loving, that that's a powerful motivator, right? It's
1: it's the same thing that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee is trying to sell that uh, maybe even Clay Helton's selling, you know, we're, we're on the come up, we're, we're going up right now. It's the same thing that that Kirby Smart sold when he went to when he got to Georgia. You know, you, you have to sell the, we can be back to prominence. And, and I think Jeremy Pruitt's done a good job with that at Tennessee in the summer, and then it cools off because they already have 29, 37 guys committed through the summer. Whereas Michigan now sees how bad it truly is, and you can say, hey, we're on the way back to prominence. You can be, you can be the, the catalyst for that prominence. We have a five-star quarterback coming in. We have a five-star or a four high four-star offensive lineman coming in. We've got these young wide receivers. We've got uh, defensive end talent every year. Why don't we have the cornerbacks? Well, that's you right now. So, it's like I said, it's a huge balancing act for these recruits, but it's also a huge balancing act for these coaches to continue to recruit, knowing that uh, their seat is about as hot as it can possibly
0: be right now in college football. Yeah, and you wonder how much, if Michigan can find a way in these next couple weeks while Jim Harbaugh is still the coach, before any more smoke comes out about him potentially leaving, while there's no doubt that he'll be the coach, how much does the potential addition of a guy like Damani Jackson and a guy like Will Johnson, two five-star cornerbacks, two top 10 players in the country, how much does them committing early if if they can make that happen, if they can... I don't want to say pressure them into that because clearly these kids are going to make their own decisions. Um, but there's certainly no doubt going to be a, a concerted effort to say, hey, be the leader, be the guy that turns this around. How much more does that, how much cachet does that provide a guy like Jim Harbaugh to say, okay, give, I'm going to need, I need two more years and then we'll be where I need to be. I mean, how? if it's not six years, is it eight years? If it's not eight, is it 10? Because we saw what happened to texas and they thought they had the future locked up with queen ewers and then he decommitted because things are not getting better and now the hot seat is again hot for tom herman like where does what does jim harbaugh have to do to to make that happen i mean because short of coming out and saying hey i'm not going anywhere which he does every single year when this happens but this time it just feels a little different and i i i don't know if recruits Um, believe it because it happens every year or if it's just like, Hey, you know, I love Michigan. And so I'm just going to go there no matter what. There's a touch of the
1: inevitable at this time, you you know, it's happening. The contract has not been extended um, which recruits do not look up contracts and find out when the coach is not going to be there anymore. Like that just doesn't,
0: I I don't. Right. He only has one year left on his deal. For those of you listening, watching, that's a really weird and abnormal situation for a winning program. Like that's very unusual.
1: And, and that you said winning program and that's the thing right now he's not winning and there was always hope every two years it seemed or every year really there was Jabril Peppers is the is going to be the one that turned around he's the number one was he the number one overall player in the um, class he was he like was, he was a five. top
0: he was a top five player and at that point it's all a matter of subjective opinion but I think most people agreed that he was a consensus five-star player and then you had Rashawn Gary yeah and you had Daxton Hill then you had all these other it, it's it's it hasn't happened and, and it's got to be frustrating.
1: I don't mean to cut you off, but the point I was trying to make there is all of these guys have come in and been the answer, except they haven't been and they've underperformed. I can't think of a five-star guy who's went there and not maybe was Cesar. I think Cesar Ruiz was a top 30 player and, and he was pretty good. He was a first round pick. I'll give him that. But other than that, like these five-star guys that come in have underperformed terribly. And the point to say is other schools are not going to stop negatively recruiting just because Michigan lands two five-star cornerbacks, if that's the case. Yeah. The, the negative recruiting is only going to pick up from here.
0: You know the They can't point to a winning culture. They can't point to wins against their rival. They can't point to having a, a winning record against everyone else except for their rival. They can't point to player development. They can't point to – I mean, weather or, you know, uh, a new co- that that's actually one of the things I think Buckeyes fans should be concerned about is if Jim Harbaugh leaves the the bump that you get from a new coach coming in is always real. And I think that that's actually, in my opinion, which sounds crazy, probably is probably the best bet to try to get Damani Jackson and Will Johnson to stay, because if you end up Separating from Jim Harbaugh, and you bring in a coach like Matt Campbell, who can come in with his idea of a fresh culture and a fresh um, perspective. I think that that's actually a better invigorator. If you know, if I'm just making up usages of words. That's more invigorating for a young player than saying, "Oh gosh, I'm, I'm we're going to go into a program that's getting beat by their rivals by by 40 points every year." Like, so it's just fascinating to see how this is going to go over the next few weeks. But it really ultimately is about. Demonte Jackson and Will Johnson, and if they're willing to pull the trigger uh, without visiting anywhere else. And they both said that they intend to visit elsewhere. Will Johnson was on verminology last week. He says Ohio State is the first school he's got to get to when things open back up. But, you know, is he willing to wait? And does he want to wait? Is Does the, the son of a Michigan man have to wait? Um, and that's where I think things get interesting. I will circle back to the. South Carolina thing, before we get out of here on this episode of Talking Stuff brought to you by Letterman, Royal Buyers Auto, is the possibility of Ohio State potentially trying to rekindle the connection they had with Gunner Stockton, the five star quarterback from Georgia, who, when Quinn Ewers was committed to uh, Texas and the Buckeyes kind of thought he was going to commit to Texas, Gunnar Stockton was, was basically the next guy in line for Ohio State in the class of 2022 quarterback, and he wanted to stay closer to home. So he was down to South Carolina and Georgia and committed to South Carolina. That is going to be interesting to watch because clearly the Buckeyes um, quarterback development is significant in the recruitment of any quarterback. But again, for a player that's never been able to get on campus at Ohio State, will they get even an opportunity to get him there Will they even need to if, if Quint Ewers decides to commit sooner rather than later to Ohio State? So just a, and a name to keep an eye on there. Spencer, you seem like you have something.
1: Yeah, I, I read a lot of quotes when Gunnar Stockton committed to South Carolina. And the, the feel that I got, and I've never talked to him. I don't know anything about him other than his five-star status. But I read a lot of the quotes because when a five-star quarterback commits to South Carolina, it's very odd. And so yeah. I, so I did a little digging on like you know who is this kid and and why would he commit to South Carolina? He seemed like the kind of kid who it didn't matter if you know if you were coaching South Carolina. He he seemed like he was ready to to make that program take a step forward. And I know it's hard not it's hard to turn down a Georgia and an Ohio State when it comes down to the brass tax of recruiting. But but the quotes that came out of out of uh, Columbia when he committed to South Carolina just made it seem like he was the kind of kid that was going to you know, stick with that program. Mike Bobo's still there. Um, I think he was the lead recruiter for him. The offensive coordinator. He's the interim coach now, so he can kind of still promote that that uh, that dream for Gunner Stockton. I just a lot of the things Gunner Stockton said made it seem like like South Carolina
0: was his choice, uh, not because of Will Muschamp. Well, it it, it is. Just one of those things where you look back, Ryan Helensky was a a five-star quarterback uh, from California who chose South Carolina for some reason. Um, You know, you look at Graham Mertz, who decided to go to Wisconsin when there was an opportunity to play at Ohio State or Notre Dame or Alabama or Oklahoma or anywhere else. Uh, The difference, of course, is that Gunnar Stockton's future coach just got fired. Uh, And so now he's going to be put in a position where he has to really reevaluate if he wants to be a part of a rebuilding process which i guess if you're really objectively looking at it south carolina is perpetually a rebuilding process so i don't know why it would be any different um but you don't know i mean obviously when when the coaching carousel starts to heat up and things get really moving You'll see, because there's guys like Joe Brady's name out there that are being discussed, and obviously quarterbacks would be interested to play for him um, after what he did with Joe Burrow a year ago. But I don't think that South Carolina is the type of job he would leave the NFL for. So now Michigan or somewhere like that, LSU, eh, probably. So who knows? Lots, but, of this, lots, lots, lots on the table.
1: Yeah, and when the coaching carousel comes around, it always impacts Ohio State because coordinators at – good jobs who are doing well in their program get hired to be the next head coaches and coordinators are a lot of times recruiters more than the head coaches. So, you know, if like when Joe Brady left to go to the Panthers last year, I'm sure LSU's recruits got calls from other people saying, Hey, Joe Brady's no longer there. You know, we still have a relationship with you that LSU doesn't anymore. So as the coaching carousel starts it always impacts recruiting in some way so it's always worth keeping an eye on even if it's a south carolina that opens and not a michigan or a penn state
0: yeah and i'd be remiss if i didn't at least bring up with lsu if something were to happen with ed orgeron there there is a i i would say i'm not like a percentage guy i don't like to give odds of things but there's probably a 15% chance that Ohio State still could flip Rajon Davis right now as things stand. 15% is probably not real good, especially when you're dealing with the defending national champion and Ed Orgeron's relationships out in California and the way that uh, LSU recruits. But if something happens here in these next couple of weeks and things get worse down there, that certainly becomes worth watching for Ohio State because Rajon is one of those handful of players that they would absolutely make room for. In the class of 2021, so um, who knows? Lots of things can can occur in the next few weeks. But we have 29 days till signing day, 28 days. I'm sorry, uh, when this airs, and uh, you know, stay tuned. Lots of lots of stuff is coming your way uh, from Spencer Holbrook and myself, Jeremy Birmingham. This has been talking stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. uh, You know, turn on notifications. All that stuff. Thanks for being here. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone.